Oh my god, Dan. Oh my god, Riley. We're 25. It's your 25th birthday. We just left university and we're ready to face the world. We want to wish you the very best. What exactly is that? I am recording. You're horny. No, I am recording Oh, an, a birthday song album. I am trying to get my version of Happy Birthday, or variants of, uh, to replace the old, and let's face it, dated version of uh, Happy Birthday to you. It's time for it to go. Well, at least everybody knows it. It's universal, like healthcare. Well, I think when I'm done with my album, mine will be well known. Yeah, sure. Look, Riley, it is our 25th episode. I can't believe we did this. You know, we've known each other for a long time, and I think we both can safely say we uh, thought this thing would end after three episodes. 25 hours. We've, like, give or take, it's 25 hours of information we've imparted to these unfortunate people. Not unfortunate people, but you know what I mean. No, I think we've really enjoyed ourselves. Mm. I think that's why we are continuing. I'm kidding, everybody. I I did have hopes that this would last. But it's been fun, and that's the main reason, I think, why we're here at episode 25 and with no end in sight. Well, exactly, and we're enjoying it. Honestly, the information that I've come across, the the research, the feedback we get, um, it's all made it entirely worth it. And this is exactly what we wanted to do when we first... Oh, you have a Mickey Mouse mug this week. Mini, that's Minnie Mouse. Thank you oh, very much. Oh, it's Minnie. Where's Minnie Godiva? Mouse. Where's the Godiva? Oh, don't worry. That's my... The Minnie Mouse is my tea... And uh, Godiva's my water. There's the Godiva. Okay, that's My good. lucky Godiva mug. This week I have lemonade. It's real lemonade. Good. You squeezed some lemons and put a Henry bar in it. That doesn't look good. Oh, well, it makes me happy. I had a, that idea as a kid, as a prank, to put a, a no Henry bar in the toilet and just leave it there and then realized... I, uh, when I was a lifeguard, I was a lifeguard, um, believe it or not. And I used to work at a pool, obviously Uh a public pool. And I worked with this girl and her name was Cindy and she hated having to clean the change rooms at night because you had to spray this really intense bleach. Like I'm lucky I'm, I'm alive because it was a harsh chemicals. You'd spray the whole, the whole structure, the change rooms, the toilets, just everything would be sprayed with this. And then you'd hose it all down mm-hmm. and then you go home. Mm-hmm. And so she would always be terrified of the bathroom. So one night I took a snack bar. I don't think they make those anymore. And I sort of mushed it up and I put it in the corner of the shower of the girl's room because we were already closed and she ran out freaking and she was like oh my god somebody pooped in the shower i can't do it i can't and i just and she was so upset because she thought some woman just went and pooped pooped in the corner of the shower and it was just chocolate that did happen to me what 
Yeah, sort of. In When I was 15 years old, I went to visit my sister, who was living in Houston, Texas at the time. I think I've mentioned that before. Yes, that's your extremely old sister. No. And in their complex where they were living, they had a communal pool. And it was very hot. If anyone knows Texas, it's oh, an yeah. extremely hot place, especially if you're visiting in July. <laughs> yeah. Quick side note. Quick side note. The very first full day there, they took me to the Houston Zoo. Mm-hmm. and I ended up getting heat stroke. Oh, my God. Because it was so freaking, like, it was like 100 degrees in the shade. Oh. Right? So, anyway, I'm swimming in this pool. I'm all alone. It's the middle of the day. I see this sediment. I have snorkel gear, mm-hmm. and I'm practicing, I think, snorkeling. I see this sediment at the bottom of the pool, like a lot of it, and I pop up, and I can see it floating in the corner oh, no. of the pool, the biggest freaking log I've oh. ever, I've, I mean, it must have been like water absorbed. I mean, I've never felt dirtier in my life. I would have screamed and just, just clawed my way out. Like there was a shark in the water. I did. Oh. It was exactly like that. It was God. exactly like having a shark in the water. God. Anyway, terrible experience. And I blame the city of Houston for it. As I would. I, I, I would love to actually get a strongly worded letter going uh, to them right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm down with that. We actually, you know, I work in a, quite a professional environment i have a pretty decent job in the in the government here in canada we had somebody pooping on the walls of a bathroom that's not sadly not an uncommon experience what yeah that happened in height when i was in high school well yeah high school was was the bathrooms in high school no no like it was like a problem like it was a serial well us um, too it's a it's a it's it was a serial person he or she well i think it's he because it was in the men's room is no longer doing this so he's probably not on the floor that i work on anymore hmm. well no one's at the floor i work on because we're in lockdown but anyway yes this happened during lockdown and it's in your home yeah who could it be <laughs> anyway um i was absolutely appalled absolutely and it was the sort of the talk of the floor right it was the the main source of of water cooler conversation was who's defecating on the wall and i love people who try to be nice about it you know and they don't want to be mean so they're like well perhaps he has a medical issue that requires him to or perhaps he has a a a colostomy bag you know and when he removes it it's just so full that it sprays out on the wall you know those kind people that try to rationalize and put themselves in that person's shoes Uh uh-huh like the time I found uh, the money in the parking lot and my mother tried to shame me. That money was probably saved up by a person who saved all year to go and buy her blind mother a gift. Why? What were you supposed to do with it? Well, I don't know. She just was laying this huge guilt and it was Sears. It was, you know, you remember how Sears was so iconic when we were young. Yes. And I was in the parking lot at Sears. I found some money. So fucking what? I like to think that it was Mr. Sears himself who dropped that money. Yeah, he didn't need it. He was picking his teeth with it. I like that for our 25th episode, we've spent the first bulk of it talking about bathroom stuff. I know, and it's Christmas. We should be talking about beauty and light. Well, let's pivot to here quickly. Uh, The weather here is absolutely horrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I said today I would much prefer snow than this. Torrential downpours. Anyone who's happy right now, because right now, folks, it's about... You're going to help me out here because I'm not good on the Celsius Fahrenheit conversion. But it's about five degrees Celsius, which is just above freezing. What is freezing in Fahrenheit? I have no idea. Well, you lived there. I don't remember. It's been years. Okay. Anyway, it's just above freezing. And I know a whole slew of people, maybe some of them are listening to this show right now, that prefer this to, you know, 
five degrees colder and it's snowing. I'll take the snow any day of the week. Me too, brother. I don't want minus 40, which I believe is minus 40 in both Celsius. I think they merge at one point. I don't know, Mr. Science. Just And it doesn't going. make sense. I don't understand how these two systems could be so How they converge. Different. I like Fahrenheit for hot temperatures. Like 100 degrees means something. Yeah, me too. And now, well, now 37 means something, right? What do you mean 37? Well, like when it's like 37 degrees out, I'm like, don't go out. But zero degrees means something, right? Yeah, zero oh, is easy. It's zero degrees, it's freezing. I know. I wish we'd have been raised on the metric system. Anyway, it is torrential rain here, like yeah. torrential. And I'm having a house built right now and they can't put the foundation. They've dug the hole, but they can't put the foundation in because there's too much rain and the the, the, the earth is like pudding. It's just gravy, right? So it's just uh, And it's prior so to this, we had about almost two feet of snow and that's gone. And it was kind of pretty. It's very pretty. And I'm one of those people, I like snow for Christmas. But I do, I do want to say something that's uh, good that, has, uh, that I, uh, I wanted to bring up. Mm. I've been watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, man, yeah. You and I were quickly talking about this before we, start, we started the show. Uh-huh. I haven't hit that episode that you were referring to. Episode eight, yeah. But I, and I don't want to ruin anything for anybody, so I'm not going to talk plot stuff, although I'd like no, to. No, no, just anybody who's listening, it's the black and white episode. But that show is another... Like, hit out of the park. Oh, I know. The people friggin' bitched about it because it was it didn't move the way that The Haunting of Hill House moved. Well, because they're completely different source material. Right. Like, the, the that Shirley Jackson novel is nothing like The Turn of the Screw. Well, it's, it's a gothic romance. Yeah. Right? And beautifully done. The mm-hmm. acting, oh my lord. And, and terrifying still. Not as scary as The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. But still scary. Unsettling. It's it's unsettling. It's shot so well. But here's the thing: the the the, the common denominator between the two. It's be- It's beautiful oh, it's, in every way. It's artistically a beautiful show. It's it's prettier than The Haunting of Hill House. Whoever that actress is, I don't know her. I, I don't think I've seen her before. Who's playing the lead role? The American girl. She's in The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, okay. But anyway, she's the the youngest sister. She is going to do really well. I hope She's so. got that beautiful, quirky, um, there's something really unusual about her. I can't take my eyes off her. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, about that, about the, again, about the two shows. It's, it's even the supernatural characters or elements you have a lot of empathy for and understanding. They're all well-written. Yeah, it's a, it's a great show. Beautifully done. Beautifully mm-hmm. done. All right, so, spe- speaking of beautiful stories, yes. um, what have we got for them? We've got the finally, after talking so long about it, the history and um, mystery of Area 51. This is a part one and a part two. It is. Uh, Ep- episode 25 is in two parts. Oh, boy. It's like the final Harry Potter movie. Sorry, you said Area 51? Mm-hmm. This is part one of Area 51. Yes. Oh, gosh, I feel stupid. I did a ton of work on Inspector Gadget. Who is Mr. Claw or Dr. Claw? Who is he? Oh, that show. That show, that show. But he did have a helicopter hat. Oh, the Inspector Gadget did, yeah. And Matt Broderick played him in the live-action movie, right? He did. Yeah. Did you see it? My kids did, and that's one of those ones that I kind of watched. I was watching out of the corner of my eye. Right. Not great. Okay. I didn't think it would be. I I didn't think Inspector Gadget was a great show. No, it was a morning before you went. It was a cartoon you would watch before going to school. 
Yeah, and there was a lot of those that I actually thought were good, but that wasn't one of them. Like My Pet Monster? I don't know what that is. Beetlejuice? I, we're different generations, dude. Remember, I'm, I'm approaching 60. Mm, okay. I guess when you were a kid, it was just like reruns of Fantasia. No, no. All we, we had slates and we would draw little drawings and show them to each other. That was cartoons. Yeah. And then randomly someone would walk to the village and accuse a girl of being a witch. <laughs> and that meant it was going to be a fun weekend. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. So we are doing a two-parter this, uh, this week and next. You're doing part one with uh, our show uh, today. And you want to know something cool? Yes. Do you know when the show's going to drop? On the 51st day of the month. Next Tuesday, my birthday. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Look at me. Look at me. I'm still here. years old. Many people thought I wouldn't see 30, and here I am. A disco legend. How old are you, are you going to be? 58. I find that hard to believe. I do too, because I look at myself and I see a messy kid. Yeah, I still do too. I still feel like a messed up kid. I still feel like I just have so much to figure out. Your spirit hasn't changed. No, no. And that's a good thing. Nor has my music taste. Yeah, you don't live... You know, here, I want to say this. Frick, we're going on so many tangents, but it's our 25th, so we can do whatever we want. Things have changed so much. My grandparents, my dad's parents, passed away in their 60s. My grandfather was 63 and my grandmother was 67. As a child, looking at them, they looked very old. Mm-hmm. When I look at them today in photographs, they look really old. I know. My parents are now in their mid-70s and they look younger than my grandparents did. We're living better. We're living differently. We're healthier. We're yeah. healthier. Like my parents are And we also don't active. work in the same way, right? Like my two grandfathers were both coal miners and they died really young of black lung. But they were also very old because they worked in a way that I will never work. I think that's part of it. And in my grandfather's case, he was a World War II vet. That trauma, he never survived. Like that, that is what I believe ended up putting him into an early grave. God, I hate to hear stories like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, the war, you know me in the war. The war just friggin' upsets me. You know what I can see, by the way, out the window right now? The most beautiful moon behind the clouds. It's, it's perfect. Oh, it, so the rain stopped. I guess, because I can oh, see that's moon. Great. Like, there is cloud up there, but I can see the moon. Well, it's a sign that maybe we need to begin our show. It's an omen. Area 51, what do we know? Okay, well, generally, Area 51 has a well-earned reputation as one of the most secretive and compelling military installations in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few people who are into this kind of stuff we're into that don't know Area 51. Uh, It has been, for the last 40 years, the subject of so much speculation and suspicion. And, I mean, we both know, I mean, the military. I don't trust the military 100%. I think you can't because just by very virtue of its mandate, they've got to be doing stuff that we don't know about. Yeah, it makes sense that they would have to keep things secret, especially some of the things that we're going to be talking uh, talking about over the next two episodes, it makes sense that some of this stuff would be compartmentalized. I understand the national security aspect of a lot of these alleged happenings. Well, as do I. And we're going to be focusing a lot of our time in this episode on the Cold War. Cold War era had so much going on behind the scenes on both fronts, the Soviets, USSR, and 
the Americans. I mean, it was mm-hmm. such an intense time. It was such mm-hmm. an intense time for the military and for that kind of under the skin military that people don't really see. Mm-hmm. They were just spying on each other fucking constantly, right? Mm-hmm. Just just so suspicious of each other. Well, that really hasn't changed. Uh, but it's, I think, a little bit more out in the open now. So anyway. Yeah, there's more cooperation today than there certainly was the height of the Cold War. Yes. And I find the Cold War fascinating. I should read about it. Anyway, uh, okay. The area around Area 51, the only sort of geographic area that you could comment on is an area known as Groom Lake. Uh, I looked at Groom Lake when I first came across it, I thought, oh, there's a lake, but ain't no lake. It's a salt flat. Yeah. It used to be a lake. Yeah. Sometime long before uh, yeah. mankind. Yeah. Yeah. So Groom Lake. You might also, if you're reading about Area 51, uh, hear it referred to as Paradise Ranch. Paradise Ranch, weird though, because it sounds like uh, somewhere a cult might be situated there. It reminds me of Spawn Ranch, right? Which is where Manson had his... Oh, was that the name of that place? You didn't know that? I didn't know it was called Spawn Ranch. S-P-A-H-N, Spawn. Oh, like that. Yeah. And it was like an old movie. Weren't movies shot there? I don't know that much about it physically, but I know that Spawn Ranch is where they all lived. Mm. That's some crazy shit. That's some crazy. Oh, my God. The Manson stuff, some crazy shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Area 51. The, the site is about 100 miles north of Vegas, the city of lights. Have you ever been? I haven't, and I want to. Oh, it's disgusting. I, I, but I want to say I've gone. It's so, oh my God, it's just so everything is... Ugh. I want to do the shows. I want to gamble. Yeah. I want to see the Grand Canyon, you know, which I know a lot of people do as a day trip. Mm-hmm. I've flown over the Grand Canyon. I have not seen it. But every time I've flown over it, they made sure that we could see it. They go a little lower. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Anyway, 100 miles north of Vegas. It was constructed in the 1950s. However, the site had already been in existence and in use. And it was primarily a training facility for bomber pilots during World War II. Oh, so it was operating as early as, as that? Yeah, but it was well, not, uh, it wasn't the structure we know today. It was specifically a flight training facility for bomber crews and other kinds of flight activities. Okay. So not, not a testing facility yet? Not then, no. It consisted of a primary hangar, and still does actually, a guardhouse, a radar antenna array, office facilities, and basic housing for the people who work there. So it's one of those places that if you are stationed there, you're going to be living there. So it's not a base that has access to any town or anything. Everything that you need is there. I'd go crazy because you couldn't shop. You, you know? But 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 maybe the only way to keep the lid on whatever's happening on that base, right? Well, yeah, it's 100 miles from Vegas. I mean, I, I'm sure you could get up Saturday morning and grab the family and go to Vegas. 100 miles isn't that far. Well, it's interesting, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about this next week, but one of the the things I'm going to be talking about is an auxiliary base to area 51. And one of the people and one of the stories I'll be telling is they, he, this person talked about being living in Vegas, but Mm. every day they would fly you on this unchartered flight to that base, not area 51. uh, Actually, sorry, it was area 51. And then from area 51, you would get on a bus where the windows were painted over and they take you to this special site. What a shit commute. I'm never going to mm-hmm. bitch about the bus again. Yeah. What what a shit commute. Oh, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. A bus painted black? Oh, yeah. God. Jesus, Locked Lord. Locked windows. The site had been designed very intentionally and carefully to hide military aircraft from 
prying eyes. So prying eyes being other aircraft flying over the base. So it was designed that you could efficiently hide quite a few aircraft and they wouldn't be visible from the sky. And there's no flights allowed over area. No, overflight is not allowed. It's officially classified on the books back then and to this day as a military operating area, an MOA. Oddly enough, and this was one of the most fascinating things I stumbled across, it's not fenced in. Really? Right? I always, when I think of Area 51, think about a fence with a big warning sign on it. But the site isn't fenced in. They do have signs posted though, right? Like, And it says like live ordinance or something. They do, and they have a fence around the immediate structure in the middle. But around the whole big Area 51 site, there is no fence. Here's a question for you. Have, have you tried to look at it? Can you see it through Google Maps? I didn't even try. I've seen, I'm going to do it while you're talking. Because there were so many aerial photographs of it that I didn't really need to do that. The perimeter is patrolled by non-military personnel. What? Yeah. Oh, you're right. They're, they're like police. They're contracted because yeah. it's so far from the perimeter to the base that it was more cost effective for them to contract. So to this day, the people that they call the camo dudes, if you look on, on a lot of like the, the conspiracy theories about Area 51, you'll see reference to camo dudes. It's it's that security team there. Yeah, because I've seen videos where people like try to go in and then they're, they're stomped on right away. By the camo dudes. Yeah, and those are not military personnel. Those are contracted. So given the, the rumors that surround that installation, the security measures in place are pretty mundane. I would have expected more, but you know what? Maybe that's the point. Maybe you make it look ordinary to avoid too much speculation. Because if you put mm -hmm. up a big wall, people are going to wonder what's behind the wall, right? Mm -hmm. No one knows why it's called Area 51. However, one theory suggests, and this is the theory that most people ascribe to, that it is because of its proximity, that it was built um, sort of on a former Nevada nuclear test site, right next to a former nuclear test site. Right. And that site had been divided into a whole bunch of, qua uh, not quadrants, because that would be four, um, divided into a whole bunch of little sections. And Area 51 was one of those numbered zones that was used for the nuclear testing. So you would test the bomb in Area 51. And Area 51 is exactly uh, next to where the base is. So they think that the military just just grabbed that that name because it was already in use. And that was the atomic that was the Atomic Energy Commission, by the way, not the military that conducted the nuclear tests. I thought it was a military and it's not. It was the Atomic Energy Commission. And wasn't that one of the initial reasons they gave people to stay away? That it was like that there was radioactive waste and I never came across it was that. too dangerous for people to go and never came across that. Well, obviously you didn't do your research. Obviously, I, I took a I nap. Know. I'm just, I'm I'm not, I don't know that that's the case. By the way, uh, it is visible on Google Maps, but I can't see any base. Okay. And, oh, you know what? Maybe I can if I go over here. It's really blurry. You know, it's interesting because there's a special forces base in the area that we live, uh, Joint Task Force 2, which would be our equivalent of like a Delta Force. What? Yeah. Where? Southwest of the city. What, what what neighborhood? What is that? Barhaven? Richmond, near like Richmond on and and Munster. And oh, way places. out there. Oh, I I I work out there sometimes. Yes. Yes. Exactly. We're very close. You would pass it. Yeah. I'm not going to say because I don't want to get too detailed about my personal life. But anyway, yeah. Oh God! Now everyone's going to think I'm a stripper or something. Well, there you just let it. In. I'm like I'm an old guy stripper. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Granddad Riley brings it to the stage. 
the geriatric Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, but it's a um, so it's a special forces base. I'm sure they have others, but if you go to look at it on Google Maps, at least when I looked at it a few years ago, you can't see it. They blacked it out. I know, you know, I'm going to ask my dad about that because my dad was quite high up in the Air Force. And this group was originally the Airborne Regiment and was disbanded in the 1990s because of a uh, a bad incident in Somalia. Oh, right. Okay, well, you know what? Now I'm Your dad de- would know about this. I am definitely, definitely going to ask my father about that. Are you texting him right now? No, I turned off my phone. It was making noise. Okay, um, let's keep going. This is going to take forever. There are many, many who claim that Area 51 housed a top secret organization called Majestic 12. According to the rumors, that group was founded during the Truman administration, and its purpose was to conduct experiments on alien artifacts housed at the base at Area 51. Witnesses who claim to have been involved in that process claim that the artifacts included alien corpses and functioning alien technology. And I know we talked about this a little bit this in the lead up to the show, but th- and this has nothing to do with Roswell. It does a little oh, it bit. Does. Okay. 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 I'll, I'll tell you right now. They believe that the wreckage from Roswell was taken there for uh, examination. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the only real connection. Okay. Uh, in 1984, I have to jump a little forward. 1984. Great year. Um, a Los Angeles reporter receives a file in the mail and that file in the internal file is dated November the 18th, 1952. It contained a dossier that had been composed by a military gentleman named Vice Admiral Roscoe Hillencoter. And it informed then President Eisenhower that the military had secured the wreckage from two crashed alien craft. So here you have a military general telling the president who in 1952 Eisenhower mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they had they had UFO wreckage in their possession at uh, the first of these crashes which occurred in 1947 they had recovered the bodies of four humanoid creatures and it was at that point that the secret group known as the Majestic 12 had been created very quickly to secretly examine the remains so those corpses the group comprised scientists military experts and high up people in the government and there were 12 members and two drama teachers (laughs) because they make the world move and a mother who volunteered to be chaperone (laughs) and she brought a big bag of healthy snacks (laughs) Uh, which back then was um tar and cigarettes (laughs) Mm. okay so 12 members majestic 12 there you go The 1947 crash that I just referred to was, in fact, the notorious Roswell incident, Mm -hmm. which is, by all accounts, the most famous UFO crash incident in the world. It involved an object crashing onto a ranch near Roswell Army Base. Where's that? Is that in Nevada? New New Mexico. Roswell is New Mexico, I believe. And it was observed by many people, right? Oh, tons. This is like something that, something crashed the, the, the government's official line has been something other than a spacecraft. Let's put a pin in Roswell because I want to do that as a separate episode. So I don't want to get too much into Roswell. First of all, I'm not prepared to. I didn't research it. But let's not go down that road right now. 
I want to focus on this. So at that time, the General William, and his nickname was Butch, I love that, Butch Blanchard, so everyone called him Butch Blanchard, stated that they had recovered the remains of an extraterrestrial object from the Roswell site. When that occurred, the Army, of course, flipped out because the general should never have done that because he publicly made a statement. Oh. Yeah. He made a public statement that they had recovered the remains of an extraterrestrial craft. So the Army flips out and they immediately release a statement saying that it was, in fact, and we all know this legend, a harmless weather balloon. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. Right. That's what I was. Re- that's right. So they, they acknowledge that something happened. They just have maybe flubbed a little bit on oh, the, yeah. uh, what it was. Well, they didn't want the they didn't want the general public to panic. And it's it's that whole military just trying to, you know, control people's reaction. The same reason why Trump, way back when you hear him in that interview with uh, the guy from um, the Watergate, what's his name? Um, you know, the Trump interview. I have his book behind me too. This is terrible. I'm I know, I can't. Bob um, Woodward. Woodward. When you hear the Woodward interview with Trump, Trump doesn't want to tell the public the truth because he doesn't want them to panic. I just hate that fucking rationale. Anyway. So in 1995, documents were finally declassified, and I don't like this, that stated that it was indeed a balloon that was used in a surveillance program called Project Mogul. And the purpose of that project was to covertly surveil the Soviet Union. Mm. Okay, there's a man named Richard Doty, and he claimed to have been with the U.S. Air Force Office of Special Investigations, and he claimed he had documents from that era proving the existence of small gray alien creatures who they had figured out came from the Zeta Reticuli system. Do you remember me mentioning this before? Uh, I do. And and it's also something that has come up a ton in my research for part two. Barney and Betty Hill. Yeah. Remember they had that map. I do. And people believe that it was a map mm-hmm. of the Zeta Reticuli yeah, because, system. And, 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 in, and in part two, that's reference. Good. Betty... And that map, 3D map yes. that she sort of drew out, yes, that has come up a few times. Now, a lot of people say that this is just a cover story created, like I said, to appease the public. The reporter um, that had first received that dossier in the mail that I mentioned earlier, acting on a tip from an unnamed military source, discovered an archived 1954 memo from a General Cutler to Eisenhower that referred to an MJ-12 special studies project. Now, you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to figure out that that's got to be Majestic 12. So, according to that document, the head of Majestic 12 was Truman's Secretary of Defense, a guy named James Forrestal. On May the 22nd, 1949, Forrestal fell to his death from the 16th floor of the Bethesda Navy Hospital. The official cause of death was listed as suicide. Okay. However, there's an FBI document from that era that states that Forrestal believed and had proof that his phone had been tapped. Furthermore, in 1952, another FBI informant claimed that Forrestal had been regularly poisoned with opiates and narcotics in order to cause him to go insane. I wouldn't put it past the FBI at that time to be monitoring everybody. And doing stuff like that. Like Hoover was still in control. Well, yeah, and he was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so this leads to the conclusion that Forrestal had been silenced. That this guy who headed up Majestic 12 had been silenced. Why? Because 
They worried because he was such a blabbermouth that he might reveal the existence of aliens to the general public and they couldn't have it. And this is a common theme with a lot of these more interesting stories where the fear of being silenced or being silenced is a real thing. And they would go so far as to kill a really high-ranking government official. Yeah. Right? That's basically, in a nutshell, the belief about Majestic 12. Majestic 12, a super secret organization that was tasked with unraveling the mysteries of UFOs, basically that had crashed on our planet. And they had possession of the greys, the, uh, you know, the greys, which are still uh, in popular culture. Many believe that they are, they are the aliens that have, that have visited us. Mm-hmm. So that's it for Majestic 12. I'm not going to go any farther with that. That's the majority of the information. It's all based on that dossier that came in, in that the reporter in LA had come into possession to. Now, tons of people have debunked it. Oh? Well, not successfully. I They tried to. Very persuasively debunked it because they, they examined some of the documents and they claim that there's a scanned uh, signature that somebody scanned and then put on the document. The document is basically a forgery, they say. I don't want to believe that it is because I like mysteries like this, that um, that this had actually happened. So because it's Christmas and we all want to believe in magic, let's believe mm-hmm. in this, okay? I, I would say, and I know you've got more too, but I think what we'll find through listening to this episode and the next, there's just so much mm-hmm. evidence leaning on this side of things. It's really hard to discount some of these stories. There's a lot of them about Area 51, like a lot. A lot, Yeah, I know. And you and I talked about that. Yeah. There's so much stuff that we left out. Oh yeah, that's that, crazy stuff too. There's yeah. crazy stuff in there. Okay, now I'm going to move on to something that's a little bit more fun for me. So there's a lot of people out there who claim that the base had been in fact used to fake the moon landing oh, yeah. associated with the Apollo 11 mission. Mm-hmm. The cause of the majority, or I guess the genesis of the majority of that speculation are the claims that have been made by one guy, and that guy's named Bill Casing. He claims that that event occurred in 1969 in conjunction with the Apollo 11 space mission, which is by all accounts probably the most famous space mission that has ever occurred. It was so important. I remember in school in the US, they took us all out of class when Armstrong walked on the moon. Mm -hmm. That was that, Armstrong was that mission, right? Yep. Took us out of class and put us put us all in the gym with one of those TVs on wheels they had back then. Mm-hmm. They had a whole bunch of them, three of them at the front, and they were all broadcasting the live coverage of this event. Wow, it was massive. And then in the mail, what, what, what did that feel like watching that live? Well, I was seven, right? So, but what's that like? Who knows? At seven, I don't remember my feelings at seven. I just remember being happy. I don't or think you sad. remember your feelings now. I try to bury them, Dan. I mean, sure, I hurt inside. Who doesn't? Anyway, uh, but I just remember that. And we got in the mail a 45 record of him, of all of his dialogue when he stepped on the moon. Oh, my God. Okay, this is not fair. You're, you're what, the beginning? Are you with the, the what generation are you part of? You're the beginning of Gen X? Gen X, yeah. You guys got way more cool stuff than the end of Gen X. Well, this was also, remember, though, I was living in the U.S. And this was the U.S. walking on the moon. Right. I know, but you've mentioned other things that you've gotten when you were a kid, like 
We used to get four. You got like Princess Diana's shoe when she got married, and you got uh, Paul <laughs> Henderson's stick from the seventy two Summit series between Canada and Could Russia. Could you imagine? I'd be selling that shit so fast. Um, no, I, another. We used to. I don't know what this was, but we used to get forty five records, not flexi ones either. Real forty five. Sorry, I hit my mic in the mail all the time to publicize events. So like, for example, I still have the 45 of the theme song to Laverne and Shirley. Oh, that was a good song. Which was sent in the mail uh, through the post to everybody as a promotional item to promote the new series when it dropped. You kept all this stuff. Well, I have that because I love that show and I love that song. Yeah. It's a longer version of the song too. So we used to get like 45s for that. 45s sometimes of the national anthem on uh, just before July 4th. Uh, stuff like that. Just, yeah, you'd get 45s in the mail and then it just stopped. Oh, um, when Jaws happened, we got a 45 in the mail of the theme music for Jaws. Oh my God. And then if you flip the record over, it was the radio spot. And you were living on the East Coast. Yeah, outside Boston. And if you flip the record over, it was the radio spot for Jaws saying... Did you not want you know, to go into the ocean after that? No, I wasn't that freaked out. I, was, I loved swimming. Anyway, I, and it would be, you know, like man's there is a predator that is more dangerous than it it was that radio spot mm -hmm. and it was so cool yeah i bet anyway okay so let's talk are done, about are you done gloating i'm not gloating i just think it's well, interesting you grew up with rap i did yeah you but my spine is the baseline or whatever you talked about uh like your backbone slide i was close <laughs> you were in a way yeah <laughs> i had records but just not you had lots of cool niche stuff well, I, again, I lived in the States close to a wealthy city, right? I'm sure that in Alabama, they didn't get 45s in the mail. Oh, poor Alabama. They got cornbread. Okay. Cornbread's good. All right. So, they, so, so tell me more about the supposed fake moon landing, which I'm going to tell you straight out, I, do, I believe it happened. Oh, I believe it happened too. Um, okay. Well, you can see shit from telescopes, right? Oh, you can. You can? Apparently you can, yeah. Oh, you can see okay. that little space, that little the rover. The module. It's the, still the up rover, there. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So Casing states that NASA at the time didn't have the technology to get a man to the moon. Mm -hmm. He says there's no way they could have done this. They just were not technically evolved enough. And that's a bullshit argument. Well, here's what he claims happened. It's so complicated. So he claims they launched the rocket. Okay. And then let it separate and then retrieved the capsule mm -hmm. up in up there transferred mm -hmm. it to a cargo plane eight days later that cargo plane then flew out again way up high and released the capsule so it could fall into the ocean okay where the triumphant retrieval of the capsule could be filmed and broadcast all over the world that's what he believes i would think that would be harder to catch a capsule moving at the speed that it's moving it would rip through anyway all right I, I know. He states that during the eight days that it took the astronauts to reach the moon, I didn't know it took them eight days. Can you imagine? And have you ever been, have you ever been to NASA, uh, to uh, Cape um, Canaveral? I have, but I didn't go to the base. Yes. And you can see the craft and you can sit in it and you can see how, it's a model, obviously. You can see how frigging claustrophobic that would have been. Oh These had to have been the most well-balanced people in the entire world because I was in there for three minutes and I was ready to shit my pants. Imagine if you and I had to have taken that trip. Would we have still been friends when we got out of there? Actually, I think we would. We'd have had a good time. Yeah. We would have sung and clapped our hands and eaten. Okay. So he states that during the eight days it took them to get it's there. Sung songs and eaten. 
Well, you know what I mean, right? It would have been like those monkeys that they first sent up into space. Oh, those clapping monkey toys. Aren't they the worst thing? Anyway. Yeah. So he claims that during those eight days, the U.S. government filmed a fake landing at Mm -hmm. Area 51. And they claim that Stanley Kubrick was the guy behind all this. Speaking of which, have you seen the news recently with what they discovered in the desert in, I think, New Mexico? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then it's gone again? Someone came and took it? It's vanished. Whoever, Whoever... Whoever's doing that, if it's a practical joke, they have my fucking like admiration. From what until I the understand, I this thing was first of all huge. It's it was like secured to the rock, so it wasn't just like placed there. And you're not allowed to do that. Like you can't build anything. It's a national park. <laughs> I know. How the frick did they get it? I, I can see setting it up because who knows you're there. But how do you right. take it down? How does it just vanish? It's got to be somebody wealthy. You know what? And it makes me happy because if I was wealthy, I would do shit like that. Well, it's like the it's like the crop circle thing too, right? Which we now know to be a, a hoax. Well, I want you to do a, a thing about that because I still need to be educated. I'll, I'll do an episode on great hoaxes. P- well, do please do crop circles. I want to hear about this. But anyway, um, with in terms of that monolith, like, oh my god, it's fabulous. And if you were rich, like I said, I would do that. There's a guy. Okay, do you know the band Yellow? No. You know the uh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Oh, 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 yeah. Okay. That's yellow. Okay. He's a band, band from Germany. The guy who heads it up is a guy named Dieter Meyer. And he's mm-hmm. independently wealthy. So he went into music not having to make any money. Dieter Meyer, this musician, used to put, do shit like this. You'd go to a train station and there would be a plaque up at the train station in some rural place in Germany. It would say... On June 15th, Dieter Meyer will be here performing a song. And it was a big, beautiful brass plaque. And on June 15th, he would show up and perform a song. And so the fans of the band Yellow got used to these little treasure hunts that he'd send them on because he was a wealthy man and could do these really elaborate Well, it could be that, and it probably is that. But there's also a part of me that hopes that it is aliens. Oh, I'd love aliens. I want aliens just to see how religion reacts. You know that I'm a skeptic. I, I think, I think that there's, I think, I don't think we're alone. I don't either. Oh, we couldn't be. That's arrogant. That's mm-hmm. arrogant to think that we're alone. And I don't want my lifetime to be like the big thing that happened in my lifetime to be the invention of cell phones, mm-hmm. which so far that's Smart what phone. it is. Yeah. That, that kind of technology. Anyway. Okay. Well, self-driving cars are coming. I actually like that. Considering the people that are driving these days. Ugh. Okay. Why do they choose Kubrick to do this? Well, really simple reason he did such a great job with 2001 a space odyssey um if you look at that movie uh, the lunar sh- the lunar shots are incredible he made them look very very real and i'm hot or cold with kubrick but i gotta say visually that movie is beautiful and so they believe that he could make space happen he could make it look real for the viewer so they say that counselor to the president, uh, Donald Rumsfeld, oh. very, very famous guy, and Secret- Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, mm. another famous guy, flew to England to meet with Kubrick. Kubrick initially refused, as any sane person would, but in the end, after much convincing, and I say convincing in parentheses, he agreed. But according to what he wanted, the footage would be shot not at Area 51, but at MGM Studios in England with a skeleton crew consisting of two technicians and 
two actors impersonating the astronauts who were in fact CIA agents. Apparently the shooting started and Kubrick wasn't hands-on, but he was angry, I love this part, at what a bad job they were doing. And it was just visually very bland. So he insisted on directing and shooting it himself. So he got in there, directed, got the desired footage, and then walked away from the whole affair saying he didn't want to hear about it. He didn't want to hear from them again. As far as he was concerned, that was it. What's the source for this? Because it's a great story and it's it's believable. Yeah. Like it could happen. Oh, yeah. But what's the source of it? Well, this casing guy planted the seed, but then the, the um, conspiracy community focusing on that grew. And I'm going to mention that. In the interim, while that was going on, uh, they claimed that the astronauts who were involved in the moon landing were brainwashed. They had been brainwashed because apparently they had brainwashing technology to ensure they didn't ever reveal the truth. So they were brainwashed into believing that they had actually walked on the moon. So why was this done? Well, they wanted to fool the public and more importantly, the Soviets, because this was the era of the space race. And it was critically important to the U.S. that and they, they had won. been losing pretty much everything up to that point. First man in space and yeah. So here we go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. I love this stuff. So folks say, if you examine the footage from 2001 A Space Odyssey and compare it to the footage from the moon landing, the lunar backdrop is identical. And I did it and they're kind oh. of right. The Just the way that the backdrop looks is identical to 2001 and the moon landing. So we know that NASA had replicas of the landing module and the lunar surface for training purposes. So they had a full scale replica of the landing module built and it was put on a fake lunar surface so the astronauts could practice what they had to do. Here are some really fun things. I think you're gonna love this one. Okay, Danny's sweater in The Shining, and I've seen it now, I saw the footage and it's true, Guess what's on his hand-knit sweater? Oh, no. Apollo 11. Oh, boy. In The Shining. He's wearing a sweater with a rocket that says Apollo 11. Apollo 11 would have been big for Danny in the 1970s. Or 80s. 80s, that movie yeah. came out. Yeah. Right? No, no, it's 70s, set in the 70s. But yeah, it's, yeah, sorry. It came out in the 80s, but set in the 70s. I think it came out in the late 70s, Dan. It could have. The Shining? Yeah. Anyway, it's set in the 70s. Okay, so you got the sweater. In the movie version of The Shining, room 217, which yeah. is really important yeah. in the book, as you remember, the number is changed to room 237. And why? Well, the moon is exactly 237,000 miles from planet Earth. Oh. Finally, in the movie, during shots in the storage room, you can clearly see crate 39 again and again in the shot. That was the number of the launch pad for the Apollo 11 rocket. There are so many more of these, like some claim that the carpet, the famous shining, beautiful geometric 70s carpet is actually a map of uh, the Area 51 base. There's, oh, like he I would know on. all of this information though. They, they're so compartmentalized. Here's the thing I've learned. They are so compartmentalized. You only get to know what you need to know. Right. Right. But I, I, I love these guys who watch The Shining, combing it for anything that might give away the fact that Kubrick faked the moon landing. Okay, I want to um, kind of take this down into wrap-up territory. So, Dan, I wanted to focus just on those two big stories. The faked moon landing, which 
they claim involved Area 51. Some claim that it was shot in England. A lot of other people claim that it was shot actually at Area 51. And also the Majestic 12. What do we know for sure about Area 51? Well, there have been many documented sightings of strange lights in the sky over that site. They date right back to the 40s, all the way up until now. The Cold War, as we discussed, was a massive preoccupation for the U.S. military in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Those were the years of the Cold War, okay, those decades. And the military during that period flew routine low-flying surveillance missions over Russia. However, these were dangerous given that they could easily be shot out of the sky. So in 1952, Eisenhower approved the development of a high-altitude reconnaissance aircraft famously known as the U-2. The home for that project, which was called Project Aquatone, needed to be remote and needed to have no civilian presence to speak of. And that is why they chose Area 51, because it was so remote, so hidden, and you, there's no way to access it without you being seen. It's not surrounded by dense forest. It's surrounded by very open mm-hmm. terrain. So it was then that Area 51 in 1952 was given its top secret classification. At that time, and this is great, it was given the name that I mentioned earlier, Paradise Ranch. And the reason why was they wanted to attract technical specialists who would have to live there. And these were civilian specialists working for the military. So they called it Paradise Ranch. Come to our facility at Paradise Ranch. I mean, I'd go there. I mean, if you're going to book a vacation in Mexico, you're going to book it at Paradise Ranch, not Area 51, right? Well, speak for yourself. Test flights began for the U-2 aircraft in 1955. And coincidentally, or not so, it was then, that a ton of reports of strange lights and shapes in the sky began to flood in from the public and from civilian aircraft personnel. You see, the U-2 could fly higher than 60,000 feet. So to commercial pilots, the craft seemed to be flying at then physically impossible altitudes. At that time, most civilian aircraft flew between 10,000 to 20,000 feet above the surface of the earth. 60,000 was impossibly high to them. And that's the whole thing with a UFO. It doesn't mean it's from space. It just means it's unidentified. It just means you don't know what it is, right? So classified information about the project obviously couldn't be released to the public. So therefore, the military had to stay mostly silent and they had to use excuses like weather balloons and often storm systems to try to account for the lights. And that science, of course, was mysterious and intriguing to the general public and it drove them crazy. So when something becomes mysterious and intriguing, speculation begins. Theories abound. And I think that that contributes a lot to the mystique and the mystery that is Area 51. That's it. That's my contribution to the Area 51 story. To continue with that, because I'm not going to cover this next week, but there's two, the stealth bomber and the stealth fighter. The F-17 and the B-2, I think it is. Yeah, the, the famous stealth bomber, that awful black military thing, that was developed and tested there. There, There is footage of the, the B-2 bomber, which basically looks like a giant wing. It doesn't look like a plane. 
And there are people who who spotted this thing going, well, here you go. This is aliens. It, it wasn't. It was just a top yeah. secret aircraft that was being tested. What's the perfect place to do it? It's mm-hmm. per- absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. So that is um, sort of the seminal stuff about Area 51. Those are the big points. The Majestic 12. They say that the uh, moon landing was faked there. And they also say that um, alien craft and aliens themselves were um, brought there and investigated. We're going to continue where you basically have left off. I'm glad that we coordinated here. Yeah, we didn't overlap. But just I think it'll be a nice sort of pick up where you've left off. You sort of have set the table and I'm going to bring some dessert. Does that mean we're skipping okay. appetizers in the main? Oh, God. If it's turkey, I want the main. Yeah, turkey's good, eh? I, f- I, love, I love turkey. turkey. In every- I love like, it. It's one of those things you can eat it so many different ways. I love turkey soup. Oh, my God. turkey sandwich. And a turkey salad sandwich is so, so much better than a chicken salad sandwich. Um, thank you for that, Riley. That was great. And there were some things in there that I, I didn't I didn't know really anything about that Majestic 12 and all that. So that was cool. And I think we'll play, it plays sort of into what I'm going to talk about next week as well. I love that Cold War era. I love it because so much shit went down. The constant threat of nuclear annihilation must have been so exciting. Like to know that any day you could die. And the stuff going on behind the scenes. Boris, it was Boris Yeltsin and that's it between you and instant death. Nikita Khrushchev and his chubby finger. That is fascinating though. I do recommend if you want to read more about that, there is uh, the memoirs of JFK during the Cuban Missile Crisis. I believe it's called the 13 days. I've got it some up there on my top bookcase, but it's a, a great play-by-play of the, that the whole like from day one and what how close the world was to nuclear annihilation was the not the movie jfk that no it uh, jfk was um was about his assassination was that not the cuban missile crisis that wasn't but there's there's a movie there about is, the cuban missile crisis it's, um it's it's the same name as the book hold on so the book and the movie is 13 days okay the movie is fine the book is superior Okay, it's usually the case, right? Usually the case. Okay, Dan, let's wrap that up in a beautiful Christmas bow and put it on the shelf. That, folks, is the first installment in the Area 51 uh, 25th episode gift to you. And we will be bringing you part two next week. And Dan will be at the helm. Sorry, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Weird. We love you. Follow us on social media. Comment, subscribe, do all the things that keep us alive. And if you don't do those things, um, someone from Area 51 may be ending our lives. Bye, everybody. Oh, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Pour a cheerful toast and fill it. Happy anniversary. But be careful you don't spill it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary.